What's up, guys? Welcome back to the BCMA Podcast. This is episode number three. It's your boy Lucky from Lucky's Muay Thai. And, you know, I'm just happy to be here with y'all, man. I really appreciate all the support. I've been getting a lot of comments and a lot of love. I'm so, so grateful for that, man. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that I get to speak in this microphone and somebody's out there listening, man. So grateful. So on this episode, we're going to start it off with a little dedication and then we're going to get into a little story time. I got to shout out some of these Muay Thai kickboxing Floridians because you know they need it and deserve it. And then we're going to get into a conversation with my boy Stone Cold Steve Moxon out of Australia. This dude has 100 plus kickboxing fights and he's a beast. Plus he's a beautiful person and I cannot wait for that conversation. So, yo, let's get into it. This episode right here is dedicated to Master Mirdad Moyadi. I believe I pronounced that last name right. Master Mirdad is a lifelong martial artist. He was a yogi. Um, and more importantly, man, he was my first promoter. And um, I have nothing but good things to say about him. I think a lot of people might have different differentiating opinions about, you know, how he promoted or who, whatever they may think. But the truth of the matter is some people that fought on his cards or the UFC or ended up in the UFC, some people became world champions, some people became amateur champions, and he definitely impacted people's lives in Florida when it comes to uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing, and he deserves his love, man. So um, I'm not sure if they gave him his flowers when he was alive, but I'm about to give him his flowers right now. So story time. All right. Before I actually ever fought, I was training constantly five plus years. I got a job teaching kickboxing um, and my version of what I thought Muay Thai was at the time. And all I wanted to do was become an instructor. I wanted to own my own dojo and I wanted to teach um, along the way. And as I started teaching, people started asking me like, yo, when was your last fight? Are you fighting? Who are you fighting next? When are you fighting? Like all of these things started to sort of wear on me because authenticity was always like really important to me. And because of that, I started getting a little anxiety about it. So I woke up in the middle of the night at one point and just started going through uh, searches on AOL. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a long time ago. And I found a few places. I called them in the morning. Nobody showed me any love. But when I called Master Mirdad, he told me, hey, I'm doing uh, Muay Thai Classic. I'd love to have you on the show. And in fact, he said, Lloyd, I'd love to have you on the show. And that was it. So um, I called a buddy of mine. I was like, yo, I'm going to fight. I need you to come up to Tampa with me and just give me water in the corner. Can you do that? And he was like, oh, let's do it. So we rented a car. I told a bunch of my buddies that drove up. And um, I got set up with an opponent that had a little experience and uh, I ended up winning the fight. And it was beautiful, man. And ever since that time, Master Mirdad and I stayed in touch constantly. He would just call me out of the blue. Hey, Lloyd, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. What do you have going on? And I, I loved it, man. We we just were real cool. You know, six months, every you know few months after he stopped promoting shows. He also had a lot of pro shows going on. And I actually got to participate in one, which was really, really cool. So, um that being said, big shout out to Master Mirdad for putting me in my first show with not knowing anything about what I was going going to do and having a friend with me to give me water and winning the fight and then having my other friends that were watching as I was super excited tell me, yo, you got a knot on your eye. You need to go probably do something with that. I was like this. 
Ah, one! Um, anyway, shout out to Master Mirror Dad. Much love and respect. And um, that's it for story time. Story time. Yo, that's a perfect segue into shout outs to uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai in the state of Florida. When I was starting out, there weren't a lot of shows and not a lot of gyms as far as I know. Um, so I'm really grateful that ISKA has been sanctioning some events down here. Shout out to uh, Darwin over at Komodo Training Center. My man, Philip Ferreira. They've been promoting shows for a lot of the amateurs down here. Uh, we don't want to be just relegated to doing MMA or sorry, doing Muay Thai or kickboxing on MMA shows. And we actually need a rule set change as well, but we'll get into that another day. But um, big shout out to all the Muay Thai kickboxing uh, people that train and especially the crews. Big shout out to the crew Dominic up at Elite in Muay Thai. I believe he's up in uh, Daytona, actually a couple of gyms, Tampa Muay Thai. Crew Dave does his beautiful violence down here in Miami. Shout out to Crew Dave. What's up, man? Uh, Jake Poss over at Wolfpack. And then Bushido Muay Thai has been holding it down as well. So, you know, we love MMA. We watch MMA. A lot of us train jujitsu and train a little bit of MMA as well or have over the years. So this is not a slight to MMA. This is more of us getting some respect and some love, man. I love all my kickboxing and Muay Thai practitioners. We're sort of the outcasts of the, of the, uh, combat community in a lot of ways because for whatever reason, we just haven't caught on in the U.S., but overseas kickboxing and obviously Muay Thai are huge. And that being said, yo, we're going to have a guest on today. My man Stone Cold Steve Moxon is going to be on the show and he's going to talk about kickboxing in Australia and how that's all set up and how that all runs. And I'm going to compare it to how it's done down here in Florida. Um, I love doing what I do. And I think we just deserve a little bit more respect. So much love out there to all my Muay Thai kickboxing practitioners. Y'all are loved from the BCMA podcast. And of course, Lucky's Muay Thai in Miami, North Miami, that is 15423 Northeast 21st Avenue. So I got to shout myself out as well. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Here's one of the things I think has been a little bit overlooked um, because it's such a huge issue. You know, during the pandemic, a lot of people clearly have lost their lives. Uh, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost their businesses. And we need to talk about small businesses a little bit because I know during this pandemic, a lot of us have bought obviously enough things from Amazon. We probably need to uh, support small businesses at a higher rate than we may have done in the past. A lot of people lost their businesses because as a small business, when you're building over the first three, five years, you really don't have funds to take care of yourself most of the time unless you have huge backing. A person like me, I didn't have a ton of backing. I've been, you know, sort of pushing things along, pushing things along um, and maintaining to sort of create a base so that I can have success in the long run. There are a lot of gyms that didn't make it. There are a lot of small businesses in general that didn't make it. I'm just going to add that if you're going back to your gym and it's a small independently run gym, you should consider maybe purchasing a three-month package, a six-month package, a year package if you can afford it, or even asking if you can help with supplies. Um, anything you can do to help push the small businesses uh, back up to a way where they're able to uh, sustain themselves you know, as we get back to work and back into society and things start moving again because... Some of your favorite places to go are the small businesses. You like the mom and pop spots because they love you back, because they listen to what you say, because they, 
you know, they ask you how your family's doing because they watch your kids grow up, you know, because they give your kids a piece of candy for free uh, or because they actually care. So when you get back out there, make sure you stop at some small businesses, you know, say what's up, show some love. And um, if you can take care of your small independently run gyms and they'll take care of you as they always do. So you are loved. Anyway, on to my man, Stone Cold Steve Moxon. Let's talk some kickboxing, man. Let's talk some kickboxing, for real. This dude is a monster, but also a really sweet dude. Um, so here we go. Welcome, everybody. This is my man, Steve Moxon, multi-time world champion kickboxer. This dude right here uh, made, for me, one of my favorite moments um, in kickboxing. No joke. Uh a little quick story time. I went to Glory 11 in Chicago and it was super exciting. The whole show was exciting. I was excited to see Tyrone Spawn get the rematch and the whole thing. But you were probably one of the most exciting fights starting out that getting that night really going. And during that fight, I was screaming to my friend, somebody's going to go, somebody's going to go. And you hit him with that right hook and he went. My man, you, we jumped out of our seats. Your whole team jumped out of their seats. You jumped around. It was, it was crazy because for that moment, when you guys stepped out of the ring, for us as fans and for me at that time, I was an amateur Muay Thai fighter. For me, it was just beautiful because you acknowledged us right away for being as excited. Your corner was excited and you guys handed us your sweatshirts off of your backs. And to me, that was like one of the most amazing things. And I super, super appreciate it. So it's an honor to have you on, Mr. Moxon. Thank you very much, Lucky. I appreciate that you've got me on from across the world and uh, yeah. we can make this happen. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I uh, look forward just to being open with you and uh, I love sharing moments. I love sharing the excitement with uh, with with everybody that, that's keen to come along with the ride, on the ride with me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How did you get started? Uh, I started uh, kickboxing when I was uh, 18, so it would have only been a couple of weeks before I got my license. Because in Australia, you need um, you can have your license when you turn 18. So a couple of weeks prior, I remember I was um, uh, I attended my first ever kickboxing class just from a friend. As a girl, she goes, "Hey, my my friend's dad owns a kickboxing gym, and it was in a shed at the back of his." Um, mechanic shop is to shed at the back with a homemade ring and a bit of carpet so and uh yeah so i went along and um I, I trained and i felt like i was instantly addicted i grew up in a country where there was like you play australian rules football or you play right. cricket and that's about it you know so doing uh something like this was just totally different and i picked it up very fast and the main thing was a year or two before I started kickboxing, I joined the Australian Army. Oh wow! So I was uh, I was quite quite heavy when I was about uh, you know sixteen, seventeen years old. I was a bit of a you know solid guy. I weigh I weigh what I weigh now when I was seventeen. Get out! You know? So I was a bit heavy, and I lost I lost uh, what the ten kilograms, which is about you know five or six pounds. I lost when I was away for the army. And then I come back and I started training and within eight months I lost another five or six pounds. And that's when I had my first ever fight just, just eight months after training. Eight months. 
do, yeah. do they have, is it an amateur, do you have like amateur program there and then move to professional? No, so, no, so when I started, when I started kickboxing, there was no such thing as an amateur board. It was just, um, you wear shin guards for your first few right. fights. Right. That, that was it. So technically, technically it's amateur, right? Because we're all beginners. Right, for sure. So yeah. So then the rules were the shin guards come off after five fights or if you and the other team agree to it. Right, yeah. That's, so I uh, had that's only, something we need here, man. Yeah, well, and now there's an amateur board. So now there's a proper amateur MMA, amateur kickboxing, amateur Muay Thai. Um, and uh, everybody is fighting now. Everybody can give it a go. Man, you guys, you know? you, there's a few of you. I won't name everybody, but, you know, obviously yourself, John Wayne Parr. Like, there's, there's a yeah. bunch of... of trailblazers if you will and yeah. it's really nice to see that it's growing there you know overall everybody's getting you know like you said amateur professional everybody's separated and working their way up i like that yeah so you know like i went um my first ever fight was with the shin guards and my second fight was on um uh like um what do you, what would you call that we call it like not pay-per-view tv but like um like uh cable yeah, I mean, tv Cable yeah, TV. Okay, sure. So my second fight was on a cable TV sports channel. So I so I agreed with my opponent that we won't wear shin guards. And oh, yeah, I knocked him out. And you have to take him off. For yeah, the, for the- exactly right. Because we wanted to look good, you know, for TV. And then from there, I just kept going, you know. I was lucky. I went 16 fights undefeated. So I say I was the world champion of the Western Suburbs. Yeah, you know, that's, that's when I started to make a name. But then, man, I come from a small country town. So when I was fighting, I would sell for the promoter 100 tickets. You know what I mean? And the promoter yeah. loved it. So then I said, Oh, my hey. guys, all the time, if they want to really grow and, and get these spots on these cards, they're going to have to get out and sell some tickets, put some asses yeah, in the hard. Yeah, which I, I was able to change that um, that mentality when I got more professional because I said, hey, if you want me to fight the best in the world, uh, you know, you can sell the tickets. I'll fight because everybody was coming to watch just because I was on the poster. Right. That's great. You know? so, so, but yeah, I had to hustle, you know, you have to when you first start out. And, um, you know, I had local companies give me, you know, $100 to wear a hat and stuff like that, you know. Sponsorships. I did what, I had, what I had to do. God, but, uh, is, you know, I'm so glad you're fun. saying this because I really, I try to explain it to the younger guys that it's not whether or not you, it is whether or not you can fight in all of those things, but it's also whether or not you have personality, you can get out and get people to come and see you because without people coming to see you, it's sort of irrelevant whether or not you can fight or not. If there's nobody in the seats, the promoter won't have you back. Exactly right. And I try and really tell people that there's more to fighting than just fighting. You have to know how to speak. You have to know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so as I was saying, yeah, these young young fighters get their chance like on UFC, pay-per-view, and then they're doing the interview and every second word is they're dropping the F-bomb. Yeah, this is true. I had oh, a fire, on, man. I, I had a fire that was, you know, he's coming up and a real, real monster. He, I think... He had five amateur fights and I think four first round finishes, but he's six, six fights at 185, just yeah, right. destroys everybody. Yeah. When you talk to him regular, great personality. 
But give him that mic after a finish or after a win. I had to pull him aside and just tell him, listen, man, you're trying to gain fans. You're trying yeah. to gain people, not push people away. So right now yeah. you need to be really pushing to get people to follow you and come see you. Invite them. Don't push them away. Exactly right. I think people have, um, they, they, I don't know why they feel like their role model is Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Let them be, let them be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then they don't, you know, the the thing about that as well is I think that um, it's hard to to understand that those guys are that way, but they they also have put in so much work and achieved so much. It's not to say that they should be talking that way because they really necessarily shouldn't in front of like, you know, they're they're trying to be bigger than. Yes. But everybody's not Floyd. Everybody's not Connor. Everybody's not. They back it up. Exactly. They back it up. Yeah, why, why go out there and do all that and then get knocked out in your next fight? Exactly right. And you're only three you know, or four fights in. Exactly. So, you know, I, I started um, just off eight months experience and my original coach, he was very like, um, very, he's like a hard head, you know, he's yeah. very tough. So he was very arrogant almost. So I didn't want to ask, hey, you know, because you know how these days you would hear it. People train for two weeks or before they even start training, they say, I want to be a fighter. And you just want to bang your head against the wall. They have no idea. Yeah. So I would never say anything. I just trained really hard, really hard, really hard. I knew that my coach would see that. And then one day he turns around and said, Steve, I think you're ready. Would you like to fight? And I said, yes. You, it's up to the coach, not up to you to That's put right. your name on the board for the next upcoming event. You know, it doesn't work like that. That's right. I say people want to fight these days for the new Facebook profile picture. They don't actually know what it means to be a fighter. It's they funny, just want that, funny that you said that. Yeah, so they, like they just the, want to fight because they want that picture with their gloves oh, you on. You got to have a picture, you know. In you got to yell. Kong, you know, it's crazy. If you happen to get a win, you can jump on the cage and wave at your friends. Exactly, exactly. You know? There's more too, you know. Um, yeah. I was able to turn my my hobby, which I started to be kickboxing. I turned it into a career because I realized I studied by watching people. I studied by watching YouTube. YouTube was pretty new when I started fighting. And and I was watching these people and saying, is he the best in our state? I reckon I could beat him. And they're going to give me $500 to fight him? Let's yes. do it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. And then bang, I knock him out. I say, he's the best in Australia? I reckon I could beat him. I beat him and I would get $1,000. Yeah. You know? So that's how I backed myself. And then, you know, I had some good opportunities. They were like what, was favorite, what was your favorite moment? My favorite moment, easy. I, I knocked out cold in the third round, Bruce the Preacher McPhee. And this was just after he was on the Contender Asia. And just oh. six or eight weeks after, he beat John Wayne Parr. Whoa. So then I fought Bruce McPhee in his hometown of Brisbane. So I traveled to Brisbane and I fought in his hometown on the biggest Muay Thai kickboxing show in the country. Oh, and um, I knocked him out cold in three rounds. And that was, uh, and you know, I was young, I was hungry. And in my interview before the fight, um, I said, I'm going to prove that I'm younger, faster, fitter, and stronger. And that's what I did, you know? That's what yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah, I love um, it. I'm, I'm, that's yeah. one of, that's a, those are amazing moments. When you know in your heart something and maybe not everybody else knows and then you go and achieve it and it shows everyone what you already knew. Yeah, it's 
like you know, I say you can hit the bag as hard you can spar, hit the pads, and make the loudest noises you want when you're hitting the pads. But if you're mentally not ready when you step in that ring, you know that that is everything because I've been on both sides. You know, I've been in the ring and felt like I don't want to be here. I'm thinking about my daughter and stuff like that. Uh, but but yeah, when you're in the ring and, and everything is in place, it's the best. You know, nothing can beat you. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. I love that. What what uh, what's what's your day to day like now? Yeah, man. So you know, with um everything going on with um you know, the restrictions, that is all getting lifted in about four weeks. There will still be restrictions on numbers in our gym, but the last three months have been my wife and I running everything from home. Yeah, uh, running everything online. We've had um you know about seventy loyal members stick with us. That's and, great. And and um, we've been able to make something with it. We um. You know, like I've I've got the key to my gym, you know, but I haven't been to my gym to film workouts because I want to be in in with it with everybody. I'm filming in my backyard, you know. I'm filming in my front yard workouts. Yeah, I'm filming with one dumbbell because that's all we have. I don't have a boxing bag at home, yet I'm able to teach technical boxing classes to twenty people. I love you know, it. So really it's hard. It took time to really adapt to it. It took time for me and my wife to adapt to it and work together in the sense of how we're going to time when we film, how we're going to time when when our son is asleep, but we have to pump right. it out, you know. So yeah, are you, it was are fun, you shooting know? videos with everybody live, or are you also shooting recorded videos? Yeah, well, so we we are releasing three workouts per day, three workouts. That was that was my wife's crazy idea, and uh, and so I was three workouts ask you about per day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but no, so it'd be like um, basically two pre-recorded workouts per day and okay. we do a live one most days. So this morning we went for a run, uh, but we had set up, we have, um, who's a member, she studies yoga. Um, so we, we, we contacted her about six weeks ago and said, hey, do you want to learn how to teach yoga? So now she's teaching a live workout every, uh, every Wednesday morning. You know, so we're giving her that opportunity. Oh, that's to great. learn how to teach, and we went out for a run. You know, that's beautiful. So your wife's a, a huge part of the the business. You guys are in this together. Yeah, yeah. I say she's the backbone of the business. You know, she she has great experience uh, with marketing, and she's great online. So everything you see online is her. All the amazing words because she the way she writes and everything she puts on paper is from her mind and from her experience, from what she's learned, and. Uh, that I, you know, I say I do all the hands-on stuff where, like, I teach classes and, um, you know, I, I pay the bills right. um, on the computer. But, man, she's the backbone. So, you know, we're, we're doing well. We're enjoying yeah, what we're I doing. I love that, and We look forward to getting back into the gym and, and being able to expand on what we're doing. And, and this is a great time to change things up. I'm sure you're feeling the same way. It's I like, am. okay, it's treated like it's a new, a new year. Okay, we're yeah. reopening. We're starting again. We went in and so, hung some different bags and do a little yeah. remodeling, a little painting and little stuff like that. So we're cool. ready. Yeah, yeah. So just before we closed, literally five weeks before we closed, maybe less, um, I invested in a whole new bag rack. Um, we're in a real cool, like an old heritage building. And now um, I've got all brand new Fairtex bags. And now I have 17 bags hanging down from oh, the, from, from, yeah custom-made bag racks. So I feel like 
I don't know how it works, but we um, so now when we're ready to open, everybody can have their own bag because we're only allowed to have ten people per class while the reception's right. on. So yeah, so we're having to work all that out and work out booking systems and stuff like yeah, that because we're very thing. simple. We we like you don't have to book in for a class to come and train, but now we have to because the government has said you know only ten people per class. We did the same thing. I like people just yeah. to come in, but now we have the booking set up as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I feel like if we can be on the front foot and almost beat people to the punch because in our um, in our town there's a lot of gyms, a lot of gyms. So, you know, we just need to be on top of things. And For sure. We've, we, we feel that, um, you know, a lot of the other local gyms can follow our lead, you know. We'll be there first. They can follow our lead. That's great, man. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that smile. Well, we were talking about it just yesterday. My wife says, you know, people say they don't want to step on your toes. And we say, we'll break your foot. Break your foot. <laughs> I'm going to take you that. Know? I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, all right. So what, what, what do you want to have? What, what do you have planned? Like what are the goals over the next couple of years? So over the next couple of years, look, you know what? I'm only 32, you know, and. Are you young? I mean, and how old? 48. <laughs> well, no way. No, yeah, seriously? Seriously. 48. Yeah. Man, can you send me what you're drinking and eating or what? Kickboxing and Muay Thai, man. Oh, man, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so look, and you'll notice it, right? So the times that I was fighting in glory, I wasn't in the best position in my life, to be honest with you. I was going through a marriage breakup and I was getting offered good money for these fights but also almost be thrown in to be bashed almost because I wasn't there mentally. But if you, you'll notice this. Look at all the top guys in one championship. They're still the same top guys that were in glory seven years ago. There is no new, there is no new fighters. There's no new up-and-coming up young guys you know why? Because they I don't know why. Well, why? Why is I it? Know why, man. Is it because I, know why. I, I? You know what I feel like, I can, and it sounds rude. Go, go maybe ahead. they're feeling these young guys are feeling a bit privileged, like they just they can just you know. But these these guys like uh, Robin Van Roosmalen, Andy Sauer is still around. You got Sitachai, you got Yodson Clyde, Borkow, all these guys that are still there because they know what hard work is. You know. I believe so. And I also think that because of MMA, everybody's turned a different direction. And even like the kickboxing or, or Muay Thai that they want to say is in, in, in MMA, there's a very few that are actually uh, MMA, or, I'm sorry, Muay Thai or kickboxing fighters that transfer their skills, learn jiu-jitsu, learn wrestling. They're, yeah. they're mostly just sticking it all together. So we're not seeing high, high-level strikers. I mean. You're right. That's man. It's and then money. Uh, money. Yeah. But everybody thinks there's more money in boxing. Or they think there's more money in MMA. There's not. I can tell you I was earning five times more than any Muay Thai fighter in the country. And I was just doing my – I stuck to my guns, kickboxing. That's all I was good at. That's all I learned. I didn't try and be a Muay Thai fighter. I, I only it. knew kickboxing, you know, so I stuck with it. And I was making a living from doing that because I promoted myself in the way – where my fighting did the talking. Um, you know, that's why I say people, these young guys feel more um, entitled. They feel like they can just, you know, 
train for a few weeks and be champions and look the part. I'll give you an example from here. The the, uh, amateur scene, a few years ago, I had a promoter friend of mine, and he told me, he said, look, man, I'm moving to New York to promote amateur fights and do fights up there because I've literally had amateurs here say, well, what are you going to do for me? What are you doing for me? Yeah, How much are you going to pay me? What do you, and he's like, I'm giving you an opportunity. You've never even, you've had one fight. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. What I'm doing? So yep. yeah, a little entitlement. Yeah. I've had, I've done, I've um, put on six promotions myself in my uh, local area where I grew up and I was having guys, one or two fights, um, asking, you know, for free tickets for their sponsors. They've had <laughs> more, they've got more sponsors than they've had fights, you know? Right. <laughs> And I, I always stand by the fact that I've never had a major sponsor. Everything is myself. That jumper you're wearing, I paid for that. No, there's no logos on that jumper, you know, it. man? There's no logos on the jumper because I don't owe anything to anybody. That's me. I paid for that. I worked hard for that. That was my investment, you know? And you sound so, very, it sounds very familiar because yeah. it's basically the same here, man. Everything that I've had, it's been working all night at a bar, investing in the daytime and training or yeah. now investing in the gym over and over and yeah, yeah. everything through hard work. Nobody's really come and like sponsored me and given me like, how you're going to do all of this and we're going to give yeah, you yeah. this and back you. So I, I, and I, feel, I feel like that's, that's why, you know, like it's like shit. Am I, I'm still a bit hungry, you know, because I, only because I've had time to reflect on myself, to grow as a person, as a man, as a father and really look at the, the fight game. And go, man, there's nobody new coming up. There's no one. Like, I can hang with all these guys. For sure you can. You know, and then I feel like, man, I know that I can do it. I believe in myself. I know how I was when I was losing. Um, You know, out of my uh, 66 pro fights, I've had, what, 16 losses. And I know why I lost these fights, you know? Yeah. And then that's, that's, that's the thing. And I've never been knocked out cold. I've never been knocked out. I've never been kicked in the head and been laid on my back, you know? I so what's like funny I'm about like, that is I haven't either. And I didn't yeah. have nearly as many fights. But when I watch people get knocked out, I always... Put your hands up. I kind of, I kind of go, oh, man, that could have been me. I'm so yeah, glad yeah. I kind of got, you know? But yeah. listen, so are, are you talking to one right now? Are, are you in, I, guys in conversation? I am. Although I did my video for the TV show... Um, this is breaking news to you. I was about to say, nobody breaking knows. news. No, nobody knows this, man. So <laughs> I'm in talks with uh, one at the moment. I've put through my pitch for um, a multi-fight contract, and and it's a it's a funny thing because I'm like, oh man, being on the TV show, the the Apprentice, might be easier, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, but when I look at the fight game, I go, man, there's nobody new. So maybe I can just, you know, give it my, it's like my last, my last, redemption, you know, yeah, man, my, re- you my chance. Just go for so, it. So, yeah, the hardest thing for me and throughout my whole career has always been my weight. I love to eat. I love to drink a beer. I love to eat a lot of food. So yes. that's probably the hardest thing. But I need to treat myself like a professional, not just not just when I'm in the ring. I need to treat myself like a professional all around, you know, and feel like that can be a change that I can um, can evolve with and make myself stronger by just yeah, treating I, myself better. I have to be, I have to tell you, like, just, okay, so I've been obviously, you know, following you around a little bit, you yeah. know, I mean, ever, listen, ever since the sweatshirt, I've been like, okay, that's <laughs> cool, man, cool. real. People talk, I'm I like, yo, Steve Mox, Steve Mox, over, over the years. Yeah. And um, 
since I've been following you on Instagram, I've been really inspired, man. I'm not, you know, and honestly, you know, I see you doing the classes. I see you and your wife together. I see the, you know, with the kid and I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm a big family man type of person. So yeah, cool. to me to watch you do everything you've accomplished in kickboxing and then to have your family and your family run, you know, your business and then also looking to run it back again. Yeah. I, I can really relate. And I, I just want to say I super appreciate you, man. I appreciate it, man. I feel like I'm definitely not here saying I want to be how I was when I was 23 and 24 because I'm not that person. I've evolved since right. then, you know? So I want to be the strongest version of who I am now and prove that, you know, who I am now is strong enough to to, to be in front of these top guys that are in, in one championship. I don't want to be one of those guys in one championship that gets signed to help boost somebody else's right, career, as, an, as you know? an opponent, right? As an opponent. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah. I don't want to be that. And you, I don't why. know that you could do that. You'd spoil a lot. They wouldn't allow you to do it. I feel like, well, my style upsets a lot of other people's style because I'm not there to play Muay Thai. I don't play kickboxing. We're there to uh, yeah. fight, you know? And that's the thing. When you watch somebody's, man, if you, if you watch uh, everyone who I've fought, there's no use in me naming everyone, but every time I watch them on YouTube, if you watch everybody's highlight reel, you would be scared. You'd go, shit, I'm not going to fight him. Look how good he is. That's the highlight reel. My style will upset your style and you won't be able to do that. So nobody has been able to do their highlight reel finishes on me because I don't allow them. I I use angles and move. If all else fails, put your damn hands up and you're good. Hands down, hands up. Yeah. For sure. Why are people still getting kicked square in the face? Like, you know? Brother, they like to reach. Yeah, they like yeah, to reach yeah. out. Yeah. You know, and that's I, like a, that's a thing, right? They reach. Yeah. Beyond, um, so when I was on the world scene, beyond Mike Zambides, I was the shortest in the world. I'm only 169 centimeters. Uh, what's that? Five foot seven and a half or something. Um, you know, so I'm short, you know? And, and then, I, I use that as my advantage almost because they have to get close to me, but I know they don't want to get too close because I'm strong with my hands. I know that I, I relied on my hands. When I started knocking people out with my hands, I started to rely on it a bit too much. So I want to evolve as a fighter too and go back to like kickboxing 101, punch, punch, low kick, punch, 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 punch low kick. And it's basic, basic kickboxing the person who taught me about the, the basic kickboxing is just watching andy sour over and over and over andy sour is a yeah well do you know not many people know this because this fight isn't on youtube but i fought andy sour in japan in, in uh, tokyo on one seven days notice one week's notice about six seven years ago um he beat me on uh points but um i fought shoe boxing rules i got a oh, i gotta see it I got to yeah, see it. I've never seen a man. I'll send you a photo to prove that I was there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never seen the fight because for some reason, I don't know why, you know, every time I fight people after the fight, it's always because I upset their rhythm. I don't make them look good. Even if they beat me, I don't make them look good. They always say, oh, I didn't have my best fight. I didn't have my I best did, fight. Right. And then I can't find the footage anywhere. So I've yeah. never seen that footage, but I will send you the picture to prove that I was there. It's funny how that works, right? 
Yeah, man, tell me about it. But um, yeah, I fought him on seven days' notice, and I lost um in one in the seven days. I st- I still remember. I was young, so it was easy to lose the weight, and I was nine kilos. So what's that? Two point two pounds to a kilo. Uh, I was like, you know, I lost like seventeen pounds in in one week, and then then I fought, you know. But it was cool, you know, fighting in the yeah, Tokyo you know, Dome in Japan. You fought in Tokyo Dome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was like thousands of people in this big dome and the crowd was like sort of loud but then like just like quiet. It was, it was weird. It was cool. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy. So to bring it back around, just real quick, back to Glory 11. Yeah. I rewatched that fight. Yeah. And the thing that I got from rewatching it was everything that you just said but something you didn't say is, and you kind of said it, but is that you were super tough, man. When, yeah. because the, the, the kid you were fighting was a lot taller than you. Yeah. And he was throwing everything but the kitchen sink, but you yeah. never wavered, man. I never saw you get hit and like your eyes and I never saw yeah. any stumbling, none of that. And yeah. I think as it went on, he just, did, he didn't have anything left to give that was substantial enough to, to do That's anything. That's right. That's right. And from the very start, I've always said, right, they, people say, well, how do you win? And how do you have that, have that determination to keep going? I always talk about poker face. When you get punched in the face, if you look to the ceiling yeah, and go, holy yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Don't show them that you've been punched because that's nothing, you know? And the, the other thing is if I'm keeping at a high pace, you're trying to keep up with me and eventually I'm going to overtake you. Yeah. And eventually, your best isn't good enough because I'm just going to keep pushing forward, pushing forward. Um, don't be afraid to look silly. Yeah, five out of twenty punches might miss, or you know what, five out of ten punches might miss. But I don't dwell on the fact that I um, I missed or I did something wrong. I just have to keep yeah. going, keep going. Yeah. It's not about who cares how you look if you throw a, a big hook and miss. Don't I worry. I tell them all the time. Do not pose for the picture if it's that's good right, or bad. That's right. Because the that's next right. picture you're going to post for, you're going to be on your back looking up. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right, you know. So that's I feel like those sides of fighting, that mentality, understanding that fighting is not a beauty contest. Doesn't matter about how good your abs look or how good the tie oil, how much tie oil you have on your body. It's not a beauty contest, you know. I, that that taught me a lot. Look at these every Dutch fighter, every top Dutch fighter. They don't have, they don't even have a six pack, you know. But yeah, man, no. they're, they're tough as nails, you know. They'll <laughs> knock you out. They're tough. So that's it. That's not a beauty contest, you know. Yeah, I think the you know the Nick and Nate Diaz kind of put it in or Nick Diaz I think put it in perspective in MMA a long time ago when he was like, yeah. I don't know why everybody's trying to you know do all this stuff. We're cage fighters. We're fighting. Like, I don't know yeah. why everybody's putting on this sort of facade and this fakeness when, That's you know, right. we're about to fight. So. That's right. I noticed early on in my career, and look, it gets harder as I, as your opponents get better and better. For sure. But I noticed early on in my career that people were standing in front of me and they were playing Muay Thai. They're going, doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would go, huh. All right. Throw 10 yeah. punches. Yeah. And, and then I'd knock people out and go, why are they standing in front of me and doing this and waiting? Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's a fight. You're not going to, you know what I mean? It's a fight no matter what. It's a brawl. If all else fails, just start swinging, man. Start and swinging. the fittest, be, be fit, be strong, be mentally strong. But the fittest often wins, you know? 
yeah, can sustain also that one the most beautiful, One of the most beautiful things you can do. I mean, it sounds weird for people that don't do it, but yeah. it is it, it is grungy and grimy and all of those things, but it's also yeah. one of the most beautiful things that you can do ever. Yeah, and that's why, like Muay Thai, I think a lot of the big shows have gone to three rounds because they we love the style and the art of Muay Thai. I love watching it, you know. I would much rather watch that than two scrappy beginners you know, hooking yeah, at each other sure. and missing everything. I love watching Muay Thai, but that three rounds allows that pace to be that little bit higher. Yes. And, and, and um, you don't have any chance to sort of warm into it. When right. I was fighting on the big shows, you know, like Glory, I fought all over China. I fought there about 10 times on uh, Kunlun, WLF, um, EMI Legends. I fought on all them shows. One tip that I always have for people is you need to come out, out of the back rooms almost sweating because you've only got three rounds. And if you use the first round to get warm, you've already lost. You've only got two rounds left. So you can't afford to throw the first round and get warmed into it because when you get hit, that's when you go down because you're still cold. Yeah, um, yeah so that's the hardest thing. Solid, solid warm-up is so necessary, I think. And Glory, the first Glory show I fought on against Jordan Watson, I had no idea. I come out, I was, it was in a rush because you know how it is at a local show. You have the auction. Do you have auctions at your show? They're selling like a framed picture. Oh, so no. them, okay. So at our shows, with the, like, the, the promoter gets in the ring and thanks all the sponsors. And then you're fighting, and I'm the main event. So I'm the last fight of the night. And then, then uh, after this fight, they've got the auctions. You know, they're selling like a Floyd Mayweather glove. Okay. Like that, you know? yeah. They do that, and you oh my God. So you sort of get warm and you go down. You get warm, then you get cold. But you just need to get up and stay warm. So when I fought on um, Glory, um, Glory 5, it was Glory 5 okay. against Jordan Watson in London. I was sitting in the rooms and the next minute a guy comes in and says, Steve Moxon, you're on. You need to go downstairs. You're on in 10 minutes. I had no gloves on. I didn't have my shorts on. So I rushed. I went out in the ring and that whole fight was like a blur to me. I can't remember. Wow. I was just out there. I fought and left and I was like, oh, is that it? So I learned when I really wanted to prove myself the next fight on Glory, which was Reese McAllister in Chicago, I knew that I needed to get ready early, wrap my hands early, get rid of my phone, get rid yeah. of every distraction and just, and just be in the, in the um, zone because it happens quick for TV. Bang, 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 fight after fight. There's no mucking around. There is no speeches. There is no dance, break dance crew that oh, comes no, on no. after the next <laughs> fight, you know? Yeah, so, it, it showed, man. It showed for sure. All right, so it was all, all a learning curve, you know, and still learning. That's, that's the thing. I'm always still learning. Same, same. Yeah. I think that there's so much. I find new things every day, every day, yeah. all the time. How, how do you find it with your gym trying to get in your own training in between? Or do you feel like it, it – um, do you join in with classes or does it – or do, so some days I will be like, okay, I'll train in the afternoon. And then the afternoon comes around and I go, eh, whatever, yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> so. Well, um, <clears throat> my students can attest to this. Yeah. I am very, very hands-on for the most part. If there is a, an odd number, I'm the fill-in always. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been known to do things like hold pads for 21 people straight, three rounds each, and yeah. then finish that and then spar four or five people for three yeah, rounds wow. each that yeah and, yeah i mean i gotta be involved i you know yeah. secretly in the back of my head 
I would like to go and just have, you know, one fight in Thailand or one, just one more something, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I don't feel like, you know, I, I was, I got everything I really wanted. I got most of it, but I just want to go. Yeah. I feel like I just want to do it one more time. I'm in really good shape and for the most part, yeah. and I train all the time. So, you know, if Mike well, Tyson well, can get in shape at 53. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, like, I'm sure there's lots of local shows. No. Is that where you are? No, there's not? No, man. This is an oh, okay. MMA-flooded community. In fact, ah, gotcha. the whole first part of this podcast talks about, you know, respect for the Muay Thai and kickboxing community in Florida because we just don't, we've never had a, a lot of shows. It's always yeah. been a few shows and then once MMA got here. Yeah, gotcha. So everybody always asks me, why don't you fight MMA? Because I'm small, I'm strong. And it's like, Oh, that's where the money's at. But it's like, you know what? I'm making enough fighting doing kickboxing and the big shows of kickboxing. And these days there's 17 year old kids that'll kick my ass because they've done MMA since they were five years yeah. old. Since you know, like, sure. they're, they're MMA fighters. Yeah. Stand up with me and I'm sure I'll knock you out, but get me to the ground. And then, then what? It's MMA. It's not a boxing fight. Right. Right, you know, it, requires, so a, it requires a lot of training, man. A lot of yeah. stuff has to change, and you know. And then, cool, you might knock out your first couple of opponents standing up, but then, then they figure you out and take you to the ground, and then, then what? Right. So that's for I, real. I feel like I, I can't be bothered learning a new sport. I'm really good at kickboxing, so I just might stick with kickboxing. You know. Listen, I've, I agree with you, man. I, between, I for one know that you're going to be in one, and I can't wait to see it. In some way, might be on The Apprentice or might be fighting. <laughs> Either way, man. Either way. And I think you're yeah. deserving of it. As I said, you're a trailblazer, man. And, and here we are talking all these years later, and we're talking because of – it wasn't just the fight and all of that. It was because of who you and your team were. I'm not sure if those guys are still part of your team, but you guys came out and you responded to us being excited yeah. that you, you guys you – know, you put on a show. And that kind of thing stuck sticks with me, and it all it always has. So I'm super stoked, man. I'm a I'm a huge right. fan, and I'm excited that you were able to come on, man. It, it means a lot. Cheers, man. It's um, you know, I, it's, like I said, it's all those little things that happen outside of the ring that are the memories that stick with me. You know, um, I'm not all I'm. I don't care about having a big entourage follow me around the world for fights, but when people when I build build a fan base everywhere I go, that's what I love about it because they remember me because of who I am, not because of the persona I was trying to be while I was there. Right. I was just being me. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I'm not there as I'm not acting as this crazy fighter who swears and pushes right. people the way in. I hate that stuff. I, I love it down me And that's what people want to follow. You know, they want to follow because they, they would, they like you as a person. And right. Hopefully knock somebody out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. man, thank you so much, brother. I need you to do me a no favor worries. and tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. Check out at Stone Cold Steve Moxon on Instagram, which you follow, and also my gym, The Training Room Geelong. I think I've got my t-shirt on. The Training Room Geelong is where I'm from. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to... Uh, be the best I can be, whether it be in the ring, out the ring, in business. And I look forward to always trying to learn. And I think my wife has a big part to play in that because, 
she's always on, on level 100, you know, so I enjoy trying to learn and be, just be better for my community and, um, you know, and for my family, my kids. So, yeah, thanks so much I for guess, having me just on. Just so man. you know, my, my girlfriend has confiscated this. <laughs> I got it back only for the podcast. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves a big hoodie to put on. Yeah, man, for sure. Listen, I appreciate you so much. Let's stay in touch. And we talked about doing, you know, a seminar or something like that. Yeah. I'm down for that. And then cool, one man. day, one of these days, we shall meet again, either here or in Australia or somewhere else. And I'm we looking will. forward to that day. You. Cheers. Thanks so much. Cheers, brother. Peace. That's the man. Stone Cold Steve Moxon, y'all. Looking <laughs> for him. He's coming back. Thank Cheers. you, brother. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the man, Steve Moxon. That is Stone Cold Steve Moxon out in Australia. I had a great time. I was sweating the entire interview because I refused to take off this sweatshirt that he gave me, I don't know, six years ago or something like that. And I'm super appreciative of it. Listen, if you like the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share, tell your buddies, uh, pass it around. The gym will be open next week. I believe it's June 1st. And uh, we'll be having you in there getting it in. So drop me an email. Hit me with a DM. Or just drop a comment, tell me what you think about the podcast, and we are going to be making it better and better and better guests. So stay tuned. You are loved. Peace.